Welcome to Establish the Edge. I'm your host, Mike Leone, back with another solo episode. If you didn't listen already, make sure to check out the previous episode with three players I am worried about based on their week one performances. In this episode, I'm going to talk about three players I'm excited about, and I cheated a little bit. Kind of have three groups of players. I have some rookies that I really like, then one specific tight end that I like, and then a group of running backs whose usage that I thought was pretty fantasy friendly week one. So I cheated a little bit on the three players. It's more like you're getting seven players for three, uh, if you will. But we at Established Run are generally pretty high on rookies because not because of their hit rate, but if they do hit, they hit in a way where they really exceed their ADP a ton. And I do think that some of these rookies are going to flame out, not contribute much, but the ones that do hit are going to hit in a huge way. So we want to recognize that early and be quick to you know either play them in DFS, even if the price tag seems elevated, we want to trade for them or pick them up off of waivers. And we're going to start with the surprise from week one, which is Puka Nakua from the LA Rams, a rookie wide receiver and not a really highly thought of prospect, not a ton of draft capital there, but he is someone with size who stepped into the Cooper Cup role pretty quickly for the Rams. And you'll kind of hear that Cooper Cup role thrown around a bit loosely, you know, like I just did there. And maybe that's not the most accurate way to say it. But ultimately, when you've got a player that earned 15 targets in week one, uh, you want to pay attention and jump on that quickly, even if you're not sure it's going to last. That's not like a fluke in efficiency. It's hard for a player to win 15 targets. And it wasn't a game where it was the Rams playing crazy from behind like New England was against Philly and they were just chucking the ball. You know, the Rams were pretty in control this game in the second half, at least against Seattle. So I've got up on the screen, if you're watching on the Established Edge YouTube channel, my expected points model from week one, which just says how many points we generally expect a player to score based on the opportunities they receive. And Puka is number two on the week tied with Stefan Diggs, just, you know, behind Tyreek Hill was way ahead of everybody else. Um, if we dig deeper, how that was, I mentioned the 15 targets in terms of air yards, he neared 150. So you're talking about a dot of a little bit under 10, which isn't huge, but there, you know, sometimes air yards, I don't want to say they're overrated because they're really important, but having, really catchable targets is great for PPR too. And that's what, you know, Puka was doing. So a good combination of things also earned a red zone target. And then just sort of on feel a little bit too, Matt Stafford looked healthy and dealing in that game. That is a great sign for the Rams in the past game. Van Jefferson continues to stink. That's a great sign. And yes, Cooper Cup may come back at some point. And if he does, he's going to command tons of targets, but there's some uncertainty there around that injury. It, there's a non-zero probability. He's just done for the season. So, you know, don't rule that out. And if you can get a guy that can get double digit targets a week on waivers, even if there's a chance, it's just like a total flash in the pan. Those are the risks you want to take early in the waiver wire. So um, yeah, really encouraging first, first game for Puka. And I'll dig into some route participation numbers and stuff on a shout out pro football focus for those. And also getting some underlying data from NFL fast R. So thank you to those guys and the charts that you are seeing on the YouTube channel. If you're watching are done by Michael Heary, who is just 
absolutely fantastic and, and was able to take my expected fantasy point stuff and make some pretty charts out of those. But Puka had a 90% route participation, played in the slot 30% of the time. So looks really good for him. Uh, in this group of three rookies that I like, I think Jordan Addison is another one that is, you want to target early. And, you know, I agree with Ben Gretsch who pointed this out in Stealing Signals, but some people are saying, well, hold on on Addison. You know, KJ Osborne runs 90% plus of the route share there. And what Ben's saying, and I completely agree with, that's not a bad sign. It's a really good sign if Jordan Addison can get over 60% route share while Osborne's playing those routes. And over time, we expect Addison to overtake KJ Osborne because, quite frankly, he's the better player here. Uh, you've also got another signal in addition to everything Minnesota did last year, that this is a team that's going to throw the ball at a really high rate. And they might regress in terms of game script like they did week one and they lose a one score game to Tampa Bay, which adds to more pass volume because, you know, not only is their pass rate over expectation high, but their expected pass rate maybe gets a bit higher. And then finally, the dude made plays week one, scores a long touchdown. Um, that's a signal that he's good. It's also a signal that he can earn more playing time with that efficiency. So very, very bullish on Jordan Addison right out of the gate. In our rest of season top 150 for establish the run, we've got Jordan Addison at wide receiver 32, 66 overall. You know, quite frankly, um, I'd take him a little bit higher than that. I think he's a top 30 wide receiver rest of the season with, uh, you know, and, and with Justin Jefferson there, like that's not a bad thing for a team that's going to throw a lot. That's protection for him. Uh, other guy I want to mention is Dalton Kincaid. I'm a Dalton Kincaid truther and Homer. We've got him up to tight end 11 rest of the season. I think there's some signals to be more bullish than that. I've gone back and forth on this with Pat Crane a lot in the offseason, why I like him so much. And Pat was giving me an advanced look at his write-up. You can check that out on Legendary Upside website owned by Pat Crane. But you know, he kind of said his case against Kincaid to in the preseason was that he's a tight end and he's going to have to work ahead of Knox in the passing game to earn a full-time role. But um, what what's happening is the Bills basically drafted Kincaid to be a wide receiver. And that's, that's what Pat said. He says the Bills have waited and they don't care even a little bit how he's listed on the depth chart. Kincaid looks like a clear win as a wide receiver with tight end eligibility. And then a really good joke from Pat, except on FFPC, where he'll presumably be moved to quarterback. Shout out Taysom Hill. Um, but yeah, if you look at the underlying numbers for Kincaid, wasn't a lot of fantasy success week one, wasn't a great target share week one. Uh, but the point is those targets are going to come if he keeps being utilized the way it was week one. And we should expect that out of a highly drafted rookie. He had 78% route participation, 59% of the time in the slot. Uh, this is basically a slot wide receiver that you get to play at tight end. And we saw how terrible the tight end performances were over the course of week uh, one. So as you know, Josh Allen has better games, the Bills offense scores a bit more. The upside for Kincaid is really pretty meaningful. Um, and I, you know, that you want to take swings at upside at a position that's going to fail so much. You know, the upside is what you care about. So done with the rookie. So number two player I'm excited about. Uh, we'll stick with tight end. Uh, and I'm quick to move on tight ends again because it, it's such a failure position. I'll take some risk here early on. But Durham Smythe cracks, uh, doesn't crack our top 150, but I, I think maybe he should be. I'm excited about Durham Smythe. He was fourth in my expected fantasy points model for the first week 
with 13.1 expected PPR points, even though he only scored 7.4. Uh, if we look a little bit closer at how Smythe was able to do that, seven targets, 59 air yards, one red zone target, and a 91% route participation. Last year, Miami split up the tight end stuff a whole bunch. That's why I wasn't drafting any of them in best ball. Maybe should have taken some gambles on Durham late. And, you know, is it possible that role doesn't stick? Yes. But if that role sticks for an offense, that's going to be good. That's going to throw a lot and going to throw really efficiently. Like that's where you want your tight ends. So uh, I think he's a pretty meaningful add um, right out of the gate for you at tight end. Now, my third player, once again, not really a player, but a group of players is at the running back position. You're going to look at Tony Pollard, Christian McCaffrey, who were three and four in my expected fantasy points model and a surprise addition to the top 10, which was Tyler Algier. And let's start with Pollard, who got six goal line carries in week one. Yeah, that's what we wanted to see. We knew he'd take on a huge share of the workload with Zeke gone. The question was, you know, do they still want to give those carries right at the goal line to someone else? Uh, we had that answered pretty clearly week one that they're going to give him to Tony Pollard. He scores two rushing touchdowns on short yardage plays. Uh, he's got the upside to score from distance as well. This is my bet to lead the NFL in touchdowns right now is Tony Pollard. Um, this is a really good team. He's a really good running back. He's getting the necessary usage. Uh, he's he's RB2 in my mind. Uh, maybe RB3. Just, you know, we'll see what's going on with Eckler and his injury stuff. Eckler actually was tops in our uh, expected fantasy point model, but I, I'm really into Pollard. Again, hard to move these guys up too much, but we've got them up to six overall at RB3, just behind Austin Eckler. Um, and then you've got CMC, who in the expected points model was only fourth, but again, that doesn't take into account talent. Players like CMC are going to score more than expected because they're very talented. Uh, the important part with CMC is he was not splitting with Eli Mitchell while this game was close at all. Last season, CMC was the clear pass down back and then kind of split carries with Eli. And I sort of felt like they wanted to keep him fresh and that's what they would do again this year. Doesn't look like it. Offense looks good. Purdy looks like you know, it's only one week, but he wasn't a fluke last year. And if that's the case, th there's no better player than CMC over the last few years. As Sam Sherman put to me, the guy who does our waiver wire column at ETR and we were talking in Slack, you know, we see that split continue where it's all CMC in close games. He's going to be our number one player overall pretty soon, even ahead of those gaudy wide receivers and Justin Jefferson and Tyree Kill up top. And then the final guy is Tyler Algier, who gets there in a few ways. He had 15 carries overall. Any amount of carries for Atlanta is good because they're a team that's going to run the ball very efficiently. And we saw that with Algier and his efficiency last season. So that'll continue. He got four goal line carries. Uh, those didn't all just go to Bijan Robinson. So those are high value touches. He also snuck in three targets here. So, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to like break fantasy or anything, but I do think it's extremely valuable to have, especially if you drafted these really wide receiver heavy teams to have a back that has a combination of usability for you standalone value. We call it, he can play and be in certain of your starting lineup each week. But then if anything happens to Bijan Robinson health-wise, the contingency upside for Algier is, is really, really high. So um, there you have it. You know, three kind of groups of players I'm excited about. You've got the rookie wide receivers in Puka and Addison. You've got Kincaid and Durham at tight end as guys that I would buy pretty quickly and take a chance at that position. And then a few running backs, two that were drafted, you know, very early. So it's not exactly that you can swing them in trades, but I do think 
we're seeing extremely positive signs for Pollard and CMC. And also, you know, Algier is a sneaky buy candidate if people are just think that was a fluke week one. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. I'll be back later this week with Adam Rausch to go over the GPP game scores for week two and to try and help you set your DFS lineups with that. 